Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. And welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, MileEyeSports.com. You can't reach us. On the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at T. Fry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, not re, not uh, retail, but wholesale, you need to go to Rocky Mountain Forest Products. You might be thinking about doing a project, whether it's a deck or a fence, maybe a little bit of siding. You want to go with a company that does a lot of great things, and that's Rocky Mountain Forest Products. Let me explain. For starters, they work directly with the mills. They get the pick of what they want. It's a relationship that was built decades ago with the founder of Rocky Mountain Forest Products. So you know you're going to get the best lumber, but then you're going to get it wholesale as well. I mean, those are two reasons alone you should want to work with Rocky Mountain Forest Products. You go to a big box store. They're not going to get the best stuff out there. No way. And you're paying retail as well. Don't do that. Work with the best Rocky Mountain Forest Products. Find them online at RMFP. Com. Time now for The Lead. The Lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew. Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lyons, and Estes Park. Now right, let's talk a little bit about yesterday's practice. The Broncos were impressive. I like the fight they had in them. I say that literally and figuratively. I'm not saying you're going to have a wild swing, Terry, on your prediction, but are you a little bit more encouraged about their prospects this season? It moved the needle a little bit for me toward the optimistic, and it also put me in a situation where it'll take less to nudge me even more. Did And we've had so many conversations about this, and Nathaniel Hackett has been, for lack of a better phrase, good-spirited about knowing he was getting a lot of criticism from the media and specifically former football players on the way he was conducting practice. Two hard days, if that's what you want to call it, right? And then a jog through. And you know what? These guys look fresh. They did against the Cowboys. Now, if we're going to be completely honest, they had to play at altitude, so that is an adjustment, but something else to consider here. They did look very fresh. Uh, there is video now on Twitter, and I, remember, and I watched it live when it was happening. I saw it on Twitter today. I don't know if you saw it. It was... Justin Simmons just jumping around. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, you don't do that. Kind of looked like the first day of camp. Right, right. And if we're talking about soft tissue injuries outside of two blown ACLs, which are freak accidents, they haven't had a lot of those either. I think there are a couple of things that are not mutually exclusive. Number one, maybe at the outset of the season, they will look as if they, they're not completely sharp, as, as if they didn't push the pace enough in camp to be able to go full speed in, when they're tackling, when it's really football. Right. And so they get a little bit slow out of the gate, but you're saying, and they'll get all kinds of heat for that, and I think it'll be 2020 hindsight. But now. do you really but think guys let, forget but, to tackle? Do you think when guys get hit, well, they're like, ooh, that hurts? But if but if, <laughs> if if they go on from there, then later in the season, you see evidence that the approach in training camp means they're fresher yep. in November and December. That could be not just that couldn't just cancel out the slow start. It can be kind of evidence that the slow start was 
was an acceptable byproduct of being fresh later in the season. Generally speaking, okay, but I'll uh, let, me, let me phrase this to you. You have covered the NFL probably, not probably, you have covered the NFL longer than me. Let's say there are 53 slots on the roster. I'm not talking about practice squad or taxi yeah. squad, whatever you call it. How many are realistically available? I was thinking, uh, I was thinking like four or five, yeah. and maybe eight guys going for those four or five spots. And then the final decision making comes down to to assessing the roster, whether you have injuries, and it also comes down to who do you think you can get through waivers to get to the to get to the practice squad. Good point. That's a very good point. And especially when you're dealing with guys who you'd like to target for special teams, if you if you can. I mean, if we're really being honest here. We're really being honest here. Money plays a role on guys making the roster. Yes. If you have a guy. Bang for the buck. Right. If you have a guy who's drafted in the second round and he's been absolute shite, and I can say that because it's Scottish, he's been terrible, but you've given him guaranteed money, mm -hmm. this guy's sticking on the roster. Yeah. Even if a guy who's undrafted is playing better, you might try and get him on the practice squad, but he might not make the 53. You've also brought in free agents and you've given them some guaranteed money. You're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Generally speaking, the Broncos, through all the different administrations they have had, and I'm talking about coaches specifically, this this franchise has had a pretty good track record of at least one undrafted free agent making the team. I don't know who that guy is going to be this year, if there is going to be a guy, but to your point, I think there's probably going to be maybe four or five slots open. I think they have a pretty good idea of who their top 47, 48 are, mm -hmm. and probably even higher than that. Uh, for work, you have to watch the game. For work, you have to watch the game. And that's the most painful part for me because I, <laughs> I can't stand watching the preseason. And I know there are a lot of people who get off on the preseason who cover the team because they want to see all the depth guys. I don't ever want to see the depth guys at all. I want to see the start. I don't want to see any injuries. I have no interest in watching the third string guy, and I understand guys are going to have to come in. It's next man up, yada, yada, yada. But let's be honest, you're having third stringers play against third stringers. Mm -hmm. When you hit the midway point of the third quarter, are you getting up a little bit more from your sofa? No. No, you're just, you're glued. I'm glued. Are you really? I, no, because I think it, it depends on what the status of the game then. But you can see interesting things in the last quarter and a half. Yeah, not me. Even, even if it's not the elite competition you hope for, and if that would be in theory possible between the Cowboys you and the Broncos. You know what you're doing? You're waiting for a play. You're waiting for the Terrell yes. Davis play. Yes. But generally speaking, you're not going to get it. You might get one guy blow up another guy, and that's fun to watch. Like, ooh, who is that? I don't recognize his name. You might get that. Actually, I'll be sitting there rooting for the over because you guys talked me into playing. That's right. Who are you going to be watching? Who are you going to be watching that isn't a starter? Because Nick, those are the guys who are going to be playing. Nick Benino is kind of a, he's not a starter, but he's got an asterisk next to his name as a guy who's going to play a lot and will be needed as an edge rusher. Well, think about it. There are three guys who should play, I'm guessing, the entire first half. I would think. It'll be, I think Malik Reed will play a lot, even though we're waiting for Randy Gregory to come mm -hmm. back. I think Malik Reed will play a little, but Benito and Browning will play a lot. And that's that might be the two guys I am most looking forward to watching. And then as a close second, I'm looking forward to seeing what Montreal Washington does. Well, he's the most intriguing guy in training camp in the sense that he's 
He's stepped up and shown he can be considered a receiver also. Right, because he was starting anyway as a returner. Yeah. They drafted him to be a returner. So you knew this guy was going to play. But now that you have the injury to uh, uh, Tim Patrick, you're wondering who is going to be the fourth option. But I know they are easing K.J. Hamler in. Who knows if he's going to be ready, okay. right? So, so is it is it Montrell Harrell? Brandon Johnson. Right. Uh, maybe Brandon. I think I think Harrell's shown enough that, that, that he should be considered. Plus, he plays the K.J. Hamler role. Mm-hmm. Speed, speed, speed. And I also want to I'll also look for Mike Boone to see if he can inject himself as as a legitimate third running back who can step up. He is absolutely. In I, I have seen enough of him and know his history. He First of all, they love his specialty. Mm-hmm. He is absolutely more than good enough to be a number three back. What about uh, the, the local kid that they just brought in, number 36? Borgie. Yeah. yeah, it'd be intriguing to see the former Pomona player, Washington State. It'd he be looks, interesting to see if he can be the uh, Philip Lindsay. He looks so small out there, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. I mean, tiny. He looks like Rudy in the movie Rudy. Then you'll love it, since you think Rudy is the second best movie of all time next to Casablanca. Right, I do. The movie Rudy is a great movie if you understand not all of it's true. Not all of it. No, how about any of it? N- not of it's true. He, oh, was, I think he wasn't of carried it, off. Of it, yeah. He wasn't carried off. He was carried off. Yes. Right. And But the it, circumstances that he fought against are greatly exaggerated. Well, I mean, you know movies... Made, as, made Dan Devine look like a jerk, for one thing. You know, you know movies as well as anyone, because you've written screenplays. There is, based on a true story, yes. and inspired by a true yeah. story... Inspired is code for we made a lot of stuff up. That's what that means. It's kind of like when you read a label and it says real imitation chocolate. You know what that means? There's no chocolate in it at all. Real imitation chocolate. There's no such thing. Mm-hmm. Meaning there's no chocolate in it whatsoever. Or from concentrate. You I, know what that means? None of it's real. I actually wrote the screenplay for Third Down in a War to Go, one of my books, and the book is nonfiction. But in the screenplay, I realized the challenge of making it more entertaining on the screen. So I did. I did take some liberties. In, in how hard was that to do for you? Oh, though? it was very hard. I bet. But, but it, then the next book, Olympic Affair, I was able to write it as if I was writing, seeing it on the screen on the wall, forming in my head, and so that became very cinematic. And so it was. A, it was a crucial step to go from from adapting a nonfiction book into a based on right, movie. Right. And I, I had to, I'd really, uh, had to really accept some compromises in my own head. Well, as you and I have talked about before, we do have one thing in common and that is books. You like to write them and I enjoy coloring. The other thing that came up is, uh, I, uh, in addition to having the semester starting on the 22nd, I have a book due at the end of the year. So I'll be plowing away at that. You will be one busy guy coming up after the break. Caught up with a longtime friend, Ryan Harris, Super Bowl champ, offensive tackle for the Broncos. Caught up with him at practice yesterday to get his thoughts on the upcoming season. Ryan Harris is now. Trouble, trouble, Mickey, and at your middle name. Oh, I know you're no good, but you're stuck in my brain. And I want to know why does it feel so good, but hurts so good. 
Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T Fry at Eric Goodman if you are looking for wholesale lumber the public. Go to RMFP.com. Time now for the buzz. The buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Forest Products, where they specialize in wholesale lumber to the public. Go to Rocky Mountain Forest Products in Wheat Ridge or go to RMFP.com. So how are the Broncos going to do this season as we head into the first preseason game of the year tomorrow? It's going to be the Broncos against the Cowboys. Boy, it was like a who's who at the final practice yesterday, the scrimmage, for lack of a better phrase, with the Dallas Cowboys. I had a chance to catch up with Super Bowl tackle Ryan Harris. Well, you certainly know what it's like to play with a great quarterback who can lead you far into the playoffs. What kind of atmosphere is there, do you believe, around this team with Wilson in the building? Well, there's no negative speak after a bad play, which is huge because you have to learn how to overcome failures in life and in football. And with Russell Wilson, he's so, you know, about his mindset, Coach Hackett, that's that's huge for guys who maybe have gotten down on themselves for a lack of production or haven't found what they wanted. But now they learn how to move forward and win games, win practices. That's important. How much of a handful is essentially the Broncos' new defensive front with D.J. Jones, who eats up a lot of space? Uh, they, they certainly like Deshaun Williams, and then Draymond Jones is going into a contract year. Well, you've got veterans on the defensive line. And that's the biggest thing. You don't have somebody who is going to get their pads too high at the wrong time or jump on the snap counts. You've got a ton of experience, and really three of those four players have a ton to prove, right, that you just mentioned. Even Randy Gregory wants to come out and prove that he's worth the contract. So uh, anytime you have veterans with something to prove, that's a dangerous defensive line. Well, let's talk about a veteran with something to prove and that's Bradley Chubb. What do you expect out of him this year? Because he's just been so banged up really throughout his entire career. I think just a focus on the body. I mean, that's something that's strange for a player to think about, right? You have success as a player in college, even early on his rookie season. But you have to take care of your body, you know, all year round, and especially in training camp. You know, one vet taught me, he said, hey, doing the ice tub and stuff, that's not for tomorrow's practice, that's for the practice in week 12. And you're just not thinking that way as a young player. So that's that's something I think Bradley Chubb's been honest that he's kind of developed and worked on, and I believe that will pay dividends. Well, let's go down that road with Nathaniel Hackett. Two hard days, a walkthrough. Two hard days, walkthrough. It seems to be the new age way to go about training camp. They did it with the Packers. That's where Hackett got it from. McVay does it a little bit. You're you're an older guy. You're used to two-a-days. So, which one do you think works better? This, I believe this format's better. I mean, players know, especially as a veteran, you're trying to get two, you know, you want to get your win with you, you want to know the plays, things like that. But you don't have to be out here banging heads like that crazy. And the coaches who play, they actually are the best ones at it because they understand what it feels like. But you have to callous your forehead the first five days of training camp and anytime you can get a review day in there break some things up it's good I mean, when we won the super bowl that was week 27 of the season do you want to win week three or week 27 you know and that and that has a lot to do with how you practice and too many coaches in the nfl believe that training camp is the biggest part of the season 
What kind of growing pains do you think this team will have to go through? New head coach, first-time defensive coordinator, first-time offensive coordinator, a lot of first-time guys. Just losing. At some point, you're going to lose a game. And how do you handle that? You know, when we were here with Josh McDaniels, we were, I think it was 6-0. and We lost the game, and he killed you, the fun in football. You loved playing for him, didn't you? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, sure. Uh, but, it's you know, you have to, when you lose in the NFL, inevitably, you know, how do you handle that? How do you coach guys? How do you practice again? And, and that building that consistency uh, of being able to overcome some, some obstacles in the road, that's going to be the biggest challenge. Looking at the roster, and I know there are going to be injuries throughout the season, but by looking at the rosters of the Broncos and the other teams in the division, where do you think this team stacks up in the West? Where do you think they stack up in the AFC? Well, they have the talent to be, you know, number one in the AFC and the AFC West at that as well. The question is going to be is receivers. That's the biggest question mark to me. I mean, even with the offensive line, changing a couple guys here and there, those are guys who have played football, and you're going to need multiple offensive linemen throughout the year. But are these receivers going to establish themselves as a red zone target, red zone threat? Javante Williams continue to run the football. I mean, these are those are going to be two huge keys to the development of this season. You're not in retirement, but how the hell are you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm loving retired life, man. I get to choose what I want and um, having fun talking about games and joining the broadcast for the preseason is going to be a blast. You know, get to work with two pros and Chad and Steve and and uh, get to have fun telling stories about some Broncos players and always fun to work from home. Once again, buttressing the argument that the offensive linemen can be the smartest guys on the team. In a lot of ways, you could make the case that they are. I mean, I think Tyler Columbus is a, is a very, very good broadcaster. Uh, Ryan, excellent broadcaster. Mark Schlereth, excellent broadcaster. All these guys. Tom Nalen was. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> I I like I like Tom personally. He had some. I'll leave it at that. Now Orlando Franklin. Orlando's very good. And what's so funny is about the Broncos way grew back up, in the day. Grew, grew up playing hockey. Yep. Way back in the day, uh, there was an unwritten rule that the Broncos offensive linemen should not talk to the media. Ironically, so many of them are in the media now. I found it very interesting that Ryan kind of bucked the trend of so many other guys who are former players who said, who have said, uh, man, the way Hackett's doing it doesn't make a lot of sense. Need to have two-a-days, need to have harder practices. Ryan is saying, no, I like the way that... This is better, he said. And you know what? I got to tell you something. He's doing Notre Dame radio, too, I think. He is. I I am very friendly with a lot of those guys that I just rattled off, Mm -hmm. and they're all very good at what they do. And this has nothing to do with them, but I'll say this about Ryan, who I know, know pretty well. He is very measured... He is very thoughtful, and he is really smart. And that's not a knock on any of those other guys. Not one bit. I, but, but Ryan is not an overreactor. He's very measured. I thought what he said early on in the conversation, too, was really interesting, and I hadn't really thought about it. The no negative speak uh, and from, uh, from the, the veteran Russell Wilson especially. Yeah. Right. And, and the entire offense, so to speak, the, the offensive leadership. And uh, so I thought that that's important. The other thing that I've wondered about is whether we're kind of underplaying the idea of Nathaniel Hackett being a coach's son and having gone to training camps with Kansas City and Cleveland as a kid. He was probably the same ones I was. Yeah. But I was covering it, 
And he was a, he was a little kid. Yeah. Right? Or yeah. when I say a little kid, nothing more than a teenager. And he even talked about seeing Alex Gibbs coach when he was the offensive line coach for the Kansas City Chiefs before coming here and how that affected his thinking about zone blocking. And so I think he, he's got, he's, he hasn't, you don't necessarily have to look at his coaching resume. He was observing when his dad was coaching. I'll, I'll, I'll sum it up. I like to think really well by using another story for what you just said. I talked to a player who played with Peyton Manning and Peyton Manning is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Guys wanted to play with him because they knew he had a great attention to detail because he was a winner. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But I talked to one of his teammates, and this is not an exaggeration. This is a quote. I said, what have you learned from Manning? He said, I learned how to study. I learned how to be a professional. And he went on and on and on. In other words, everything. And then his final comment was, I also learned how not to treat my teammates. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is this guy, he's a very thoughtful guy too. So bringing this full circle with Hackett, he learned what he liked and he also learned what he didn't like. It's more than somebody mentoring you and showing you all the good things. You also see things in your mentor that maybe it's things that you don't like, and I don't want to repeat that behavior. Were you saying that Peyton Manning d didn't treat his teammates well sometimes? Yes, that's exactly what okay. I'm saying. I, I, are you saying that sarcastically? No, I'm really wanting to know because oh, okay. I'm not sure that oh, I, I didn't. He is infamous for barking at his teammates. Is that treating them bad? Some may take it that way. Yeah. I mean, Cody Latimer peed down his leg anytime he was around, <laughs> you know, Peyton Manning. And it, he, how do I put this? I'm not trying to say anything bad about mm -hmm. Peyton Manning. Guy is a winner, great businessman, all of that stuff. He's not a guy that I would want to work with. He's not a guy that I would want to work with. I don't need a pat on the back, but I certainly don't need a kick in the ass. Yeah. Okay. So some people, I think a guy like Garrett Bowles would have a difficult time playing with a Peyton Manning mm -hmm. because Peyton Manning is kind of one speed. Yes, he will patch on the back a little bit, but he is, he is constant 65 miles an hour in a practice. If you don't run an out route that's seven and a half yards, we are running it 10 more times because I told you it's eight yards. That's just the way he is. Which he is a perfectionist. There's nothing wrong with it. However, Guys like Andre Caldwell, they they were turned off by the way Peyton Manning talked to people. Bottom line is this. This came from one of his teammates. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll let you know who it is during the break. Okay. okay. And that was his observation. He said all of these great things and then said, I also learned how to not to treat my teammates. Which raises the question to me. Um, you, you mentioned Garrett Bowles. He's met with the media a couple of times and yep. he addressed the issue of, I finally got a quarterback. I've had a different quarterback every year. And yep. I've got a quarter. I've got a quarterback. Now. I've got yep. a quarterback I know is my quarterback. Yep. How much can that help Garrett Bowles? It helps a lot because now he feels there's continuity, that there's not going to be another change or there's not going to be a quarterback battle. I think that does help. How about it. that soothing personality of arm around the shoulder almost? That's Russell Wilson. He's not a guy. Russ, it's funny. Russell Wilson, I believe, went to the Manning passing camp. Those two cats are totally different in terms of personality. Mm-hmm. Totally different. Russell Wilson encourages, encourages, encourages. 
and he especially does it at the podium. Nathaniel Hackett is an encourager. That's kind of who he is. That's just their personality. Ken Russell, Wilson, we talked about this with Nathaniel Hackett and his relationship with Wilson early on in camp. Yeah. But can Russell Wilson turn into the hard ass if he needs to? I have no doubt that he could because he wants to win so badly. I've heard stories about him that he's in the building at 5 o'clock in the morning and he leaves and he's wandering the hallway at 9 o'clock at night. That's just who he is. Mm-hmm. He wants to work and win. And it's the same with Manning. They just approach it differently. And you really can't question Russell Wilson's methods, in theory, because he gets results. Mm -hmm. But then again, can you really question Peyton Manning's methods because he gets results? They just approach it totally differently. They just do. And, you know, I've said this to other people, and I'll say it on air. I think one reason why Peyton Manning didn't win more Super Bowls was because of him. I think... I think his teammates respected him, but I also think they feared him. Both here in Indy? Yeah. They respected him, but they feared him. I'll ask you. Do you think players on the Broncos feared John Elway? No. No. They respected him, and they liked him. <laughs> and they liked they liked to go out with him. Yeah, that's him. right. And there's nothing wrong with no. that. Brady? Brady? John Elway was one of the boys. That's right. Brady respected, liked him. Jim Kelly, a guy, a guy covered... Respected him, liked him. Manning, respect, fear. Aaron Rodgers, respect, fear. I don't think it's an accident that Aaron Rodgers has won one Super Bowl. I don't think it's an accident that Peyton Manning really won one Super Bowl on his own because it was the defense in 2015. Although, don't get me wrong, he played a role. I think some of his teammates, and I've talked to some of his teammates, and one of them is a good friend of his, and he has disagreed with me. It's not like I'm a master of psychology here, but if you think about it, when you're afraid to make a mistake because someone's going to bark at you, you tighten up a little bit. Peyton Manning is tightly wound like a snare drum, right? Mm -hmm. So when that is the atmosphere, you're afraid to make mistakes. Joe Montana, respected, liked. Liked, loved, actually. Not not a particularly Boolean personality. Nope. More Super Bowls. He was not a quarterback personality. Brett Favre, everybody liked. He only has one Super Bowl. My point is, this isn't about Super Bowls. It's just different personalities. And, and everybody has a right to do it how they want to do it. But I think Peyton Manning cost himself Super Bowls because he was so tightly wound. Although the guy is a winner. And no one no one could argue that. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk a little bit about the Cowboys because the Broncos are playing them tomorrow. And they practiced yesterday. Are they really America's team? Because quite frankly, when I hear Dallas Cowboys... And America's team, it makes me want to throw up in How my mouth. How about them Cowboys? It makes me want to throw up in my mouth. That's next. He doesn't need his name up in lights. He just wants to be heard. Whether it's the beat of the mic, he feels so unlike everybody else alone. In spite of the fact that some people still think that they know, but no. He... Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, mileisports.com. You can reach us, Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at tfry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, Go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. 
What's Trending? Presented by Silterhar Mazda. Get to Silterhar in Broomfield for a no-pressure buying experience at Silterhar Mazda. Or find them at sthmazda.com. Alright, I can't believe we're even bringing this up, but it's a short segment. <laughs> Cowboy, Cowboys have been called America's team. How about them Cowboys? How do you think they got that title? Are they still America's team? They're still America's team. They got that title because they were a, a forward-looking organization coming up after his foundation with Clint Murchison as the owner, Tex Schramm as the general manager. Gil Brandt was the visionary personnel guy way ahead of his time, and Tom Landry was their only coach. And then he had Roger Staubach come in and be the quarterback for many years, and they just laid the foundation then. I got two personal angles on this. Number one, as a kid, my father was an assistant coach at Oregon at the time. And the Cowboys were so revolutionary. They paid virtually every college assistant in the country, I believe, $1,000 a year, which was a lot of money then, to fill out scouting reports on everybody they played against. And I probably never, ever looked at it, but they made friends with every college assistant coach in the country, and that helped them in scouting moving down the road. And uh, they sent swag to the coaches' kids. I had Cowboys in Eugene, Oregon. I had Cowboys swag as a kid. So that's my youthful experience. And as a writer, the Cowboys were so great to writers, it's almost embarrassing to sit here and admit that I probably allowed myself to be swayed. I mean, I was doing a story on on, on uh, Charles Haley for the Sporting News cover story, and he was not talking to the media. And I went in and said, this is going to be a tough story to do because he's not talking to the media. And they said, they said uh, meet me in the P- – go to the PR director's office when uh, – Jerry Jones is holding his news conference and the media all, all has to be there. And so Charles Haley walk, walks into the PR office and I got my interview. And they did that uh, many times on, when I was doing stories with them on Emmett Smith and, and uh, Michael Irvin, many, uh, many others. So I dealt with it from two angles. They were a great organization and I assume still are. I'm going to give you a totally different take, although I'll steal a little bit of what you took. Roger Staubach came from the Navy. He was the type of kid that you wanted to be friends with. He was the type of kid where women wanted to date him because he was an all-American kid, and mothers wanted you to marry their daughters. That's the type of guy he was, all-American guy with a star on his helmet. But let me give you another take on this, why I believe they were called America's team. Is it fair to say the Pittsburgh Steelers wearing black were not really a well-liked team because they wore black? No. No? No. How about the Raiders? How about the Raiders? Yes, that was probably part of the image. In the 1970s, when the NFL took off, the Cowboys played for a Super Bowl title four of those times. Four of those times. They were essentially the, the main representative in the NFC. They were white, they had a star on their helmet, and they had an all-American choir boy at quarterback in Roger Staubach. They were playing the big, tough, mean Joe Green Steelers, a team that was easy not to like. Then, Then you have the Oakland Raiders, another team out of the AFC, a team not to like. I just think it kind of built from there. Are they America's team now? They are, and I'll tell you why. And I can give you a couple of reasons why. Because you really have to ask yourself, which team in the NFL has the greatest following? 
Well, the Cowboys do. Do you know they have over 8 million followers on Facebook? That is by far and away the most in the NFL. No, I didn't know that. Their Twitter following has nearly 4 million followers, only second to the Patriots. As far as revenue for merchandise, their annual revenue for fans spending is eight $800 million annual. There's a $300 million gap between them and the team that's number two. And Jerry Jones came in with a swagger. Well, this was, this was way before. Yes. They built this in the ninth. They were called America's team well before Jerry Jones ever touched that. But he, he has that swagger. He came in with it. He has that no, swagger. I know that. But, he, was, but, he, he was not beloved, but he was respected as a businessman football guy. But, but he has nothing to do with being America's team. They were America's team before that. In the 70s and 80s, they were called America's team. He may have continued yes. it, I think, and that's fine. I think it's very definitely in that that's the case. He has continued it through probably social media and all of that and jersey sales and all of that but stuff. But I think there's an admiration or respect for him that he's, he's also he's a football guy. I mean, he was co-captain of the national championship team in Arkansas. He, he's a uh, he came in and, and enhanced both using how he did have football knowledge. He, he did get in the way sometimes. He screwed up the relationship with Jimmy Johnson. But he has, has been an astute businessman and parlayed it into a yeah, huge, 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 huge investment with, with a swagger for the organization that I think also. But I don't they, think they a, are the Raiders without wearing the black jersey. Okay. But he's not a well-liked guy. No. At all. And by the way, when I said $800 million, that's lifetime. That's not over the course of one season. So they have a $300 million gap between them and the second-place team that has sold merchandise, banners, whatever it is. They built, they were called America's team in the 1970s and 80s. Mm-hmm. And then they won a bunch of Super Bowls with Jimmy Johnson. And, they and by the way, what's interesting is Jimmy Johnson wasn't a well-liked guy at Miami. No. He was seen as having a program that was out of control. Again, well, well it was. Criminals. It was the convicts versus the Catholics. Miami against Notre Dame. So he was not a well-liked guy. I don't think Jerry Jones is a well-liked guy. He's more of a renegade. But quite frankly, when you look at the Cowboys' playoff success over, what, a decade plus now, they have not been good. But at the end of the day, that following on Facebook, that following on Twitter, that following on all forms of social media, jersey sales, you have to say they're number one. I'll give you another team that I looked up. You know who's the most popular team in the NBA? Going to make people Lakers. in Denver throw up in their mouth. Lakers. It's the Lakers. Because when it comes to merchandise sales and social media following, like them or hate them, but, that, that's just the way it is. There's a linear linear progression there with Jerry West, Magic, Kareem, Showtime, Kobe. They've almost always had a star. They've almost always had a star. Almost always. Who's the In baseball, it's obviously, in my mind, it's obviously the Yankees. It is. I, I couldn't argue with the Yankees at all. And as far as hockey, as much as I hate to say it, it's not an American sport, so it's irrelevant. Montreal. Yeah, again. Right. North America's team. North North America's team. And I think there's a recognition even among hockey fans here south of the border of what is owed to the tradition of the sport by the teams in Canada right. in original six. Right. So the choices were Toronto and Montreal. Montreal is just a shrine. It's a great, great place to go to a game yep. because it just reeks of tradition. What do we have coming up on Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it? Some big news in baseball just dropped, and one of the biggest stars in MLB hasn't played yet this season. 
and doesn't look like he'll play at all the rest of the year either. We'll tell you why on the other side, right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, mileisports.com. You can't reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at tfry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Greenfield's has everything under one roof, including the best happy hour in town. Two for one wine, well, and drafts from 3 until 7 p.m. Just in case you missed it, is presented by Argonaut Wine and Liquor. You need to see why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver. Five years running. Or order online at ArgonautLiquor.com. Just in case you missed it, some breaking news from just a short while ago. You're doing breaking news. Yeah. Usually one of us does breaking news. Yeah. So you've decided to hijack the show and say, Eric... We're telling you the breaking news. What do I we have decided because this will be my last show producing with you for a while. It's something I've always wanted to do. Go ahead. So I did it. Please do. Um, Fernando ahead. Tatis Jr. suspended 80 games after testing positive for PEDs. He has not played this season after uh, a wrist fracture kept him sidelined. He was, however, starting to do his uh, minor league rehab stint and now... An 80-game band for for a uh, banned substance. So Tatis Jr. just signed that 14-year, $340 million monster contract recently. He's one of baseball's biggest stars. He's in a whole lot of commercials, all kinds of marketing campaigns for MLB. How big of a loss is this, not only for MLB, but also for the Padres, well, who have made some other big acquisitions lately as well. Oh, it's a huge loss, given the Padres' uh, energy in trying to get into the playoffs as the second wild card. It was interesting, though, to me that he's saying he won't appeal. He admitted it and, and basically said he took it inadvertently because of ringworm. And so at least he's admitting it. But then, then he went through a whole litany of excuses. The owner and the GM and his teammates have to be beside themselves and livid. The Padres were set up after trading for Soto to win. And now they just lost one of their biggest bats in the lineup. If I was the owner, with the money that I have spent, if I was the GM working deals and giving up a lot of great draft picks to get Soto, I would be absolutely enraged. And then as far as his teammates go, he let everybody down. Don't tell me about ring one. You had a chance to win a World Series this year. And if they don't, you can point at him and say, you let us down. Shame on you. Just in case you missed it, CBS Sports released their must-see NFL rookies in 2022 preseason. Some of the guys on that list were Notre Dame's Kyle Hamilton, now a safety with the Ravens. He had a fumble recovery last night versus the Titans. 
LSU's Derek Stingley, cornerback now with the Texans. USC's Drake London, wide receiver now with the Falcons, playing right now. And then Malik Willis of Liberty, the quarterback with the Titans. He went 6 for 11 for 107 yards through the air last night. Had five carries for 38 yards and a touchdown in that game against the Ravens. Any other rookies around the league who you have your eye on heading into their first year in the NFL? I want to see if Kenny Pickett can have any kind of an impact with the Steelers. Pittsburgh guy. And I also am very interested in Kayvon Thibodeau, who was kind of was expected to go higher than fifth in the draft and now is carrying the torch and complaining that he was snubbed. But he's we'll see if he can step in and play well with the Giants. And they also had the seventh pick of the draft and took Evan Neal on the other side of the ball. So those two rookies for the Giants and Kenny Pick. I think there are going to be four teams that regret not taking Thibodeau. Because all the word out of Giants camp is, this kid is going to be special. But people knew that already. That was Argonaut Wine and Liquor. Just in case you missed it, you can walk in any store and try, and you can uh, not try out the appliances. I'm getting all mixed up now. You don't want to try out appliances at Argonaut. You want to do that at Mountain High Appliance. With that, uh, Argonaut Wine and Liquor, a great place to go. Uh, they always have great specials. All 750 milliliter Italian wines are 15% off. They deliver to the entire Denver metro area. All deliveries above 100 bucks are free. Go check them out off of Colfax or find them at ArgonautLiquor.com. With that, Terry, this is our last show together. We talked about this at the top of the show. Uh, I have never, and I've had great partners, I have never worked with someone who is as accomplished as you are in the field of media. Um, and I learned a lot. You are you, you are someone that everyone, and you teach, which I'm glad. And that's one reason why you're not coming to mornings. You have a lot to offer to so many kids with all of your experiences traveling and, and writing stories and writing books. And, and those kids will be better off learning from you than you sitting here with me and talking about sports. Well, I've been honored to work with everybody here, including you, Eric, for having the faith in bringing me in. And I appreciate it. And my respect for you has grown and grown. Well, when it starts at zero, I'm glad it got <laughs> to one and a half. Uh, starting on Monday, afternoon drive will be Anil Apiro and Cody Rourke from 4 to 6. I will be moving to the morning shift with Fox 31's Bruce Hurdle, 7 to 9. Hope you will not only listen to our show in the mornings, and Cody and Nilo's show in the afternoon, but we have a full slate of local programming from 7 in the morning until 7 at night. With that, Danny, we will see each other again, I hope. See you soon. Uh, Nolan, we will see each other again, I hope, because both of you are staying in the afternoons. As for Zach Seegers, <laughs> don't screw it up, pal. Don't screw it up. Make it the best possible weekend you can. Friday,